Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Eye of the Tigers. Today, we have our guest, Drew Cosgray. Uh, Drew is a junior majoring in communication who spent his last semester in El Paso, Texas, where he was reporting full-time for the ABC affiliate KVIA7. Sorry, can't forget the 7. Drew got involved in D3TV his freshman year as the news director of The Source and his sophomore year, and this semester, he started his own show called The Drew Cosgray Network. Welcome, Drew. What's up, Kiwi? Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, no problem. So I want to start off, and um, these first two episodes, we're kind of just talking about D3TV and kind of talking about, you know, why you why you were interested and got into D3TV. So let's go ahead and start there. Why did you Why did you join D3TV freshman year? Yeah. So uh, so I actually I originally committed to DePaul. Um, and before I say anything, I want to apologize. I've been very sick the past <laughs> week and a half, so if I sound nasally, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there right now. But, you know, I came here for soccer, and uh, I'll never forget the first week, um, our RA was going around asking people, hey, uh, they want to interview They want to interview student-athletes um, about their experience coming on campus. And I was just like, oh, yeah, like, I'd like to do that. And I came in, I'll never forget, I did an interview with Cindy Kahn, and basically she asked me all these questions, and, you know, I answered them, and it was a lot of fun. And then, like, a week later, she uh, came up to me, and she was like, hey, like, you know, you seemed really comfortable, you know, talking on camera and everything. You know, we'd love to have you come anchor a few shows. Just, you know, see what it's all about. And, you know, hearing that, I was like, oh, wow, like, anchoring a show, like, that sounds pretty cool. And so I started doing that. And, uh, you know, week after week, as I did it more and more, and as I got closer with everyone um, at the Polium Center, especially Larry Abbott, who's become not only a mentor of mine, but one of my best friends, um, you know, he kind of just pulled me aside one day. And just kind of like just kind of put into my head like, hey, like you know, I think you could do something with this. And really, I mean, once I heard that, I kind of realized that hey, this could actually like happen. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's one of those things. Uh, growing up, you see people like on TV, and you're just like, how do like they get to that point? Yeah. And stuff like that. And then like he said that to me, and I was like, oh wow, like I could do that. And just right from that moment on. Uh, started networking like crazy and that's kind of why it brings it to my show the drew cosgray network i mean my first ever connection that i got in touch with at depaul was zach crenshaw who's an anchor um in phoenix at abc 15 and he's been a huge help of mine yeah and, um you know zach's a really busy guy but i'd really love he'd be like one person i'd really love to bring on my show just because you know he was that first depaul alum that i talked to yeah and, like, I'll never forget that conversation because, for one, it went so well, but, two, just, you know, how nice he was and how encouraging he was. Yeah, so, okay, so freshman year, you start as an anchor. Now, was that first semester you were an anchor, and second semester, were you still an anchor, or did you take on another role? Um, yeah, so I, my first semester, I was an anchor, and then my second semester, I was still an anchor. Okay. And then sophomore year was kind of when the roles kind of changed a little bit yeah so my first semester of sophomore year i was assistant news director to the source which was the show i was anchoring for june hunter a really good friend of mine she was our <laughs> news director yeah and uh and then the next semester i became the news director and i feel like that's when it became like really real for me just because like it was my show yeah and i don't know like i'm not afraid to admit that you know growing up I would always say, like, oh, my gosh, like, I want to do this. And I'd start it, and I'd almost, like, get too, like, wrapped up in other things. I would never finish it. Yeah. It was kind of that first thing that I, I kind of had full ownership of. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was following through with it every week, and I was on top of everything. And 
what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is like I realized like, oh wow, like not only is this fun, but this is a passion of mine that you know I'm looking forward to coming to do this every day. And like, you know, it's one thing that, you know, I could finish at around midnight and still have that energy because I was enjoying what I was yeah. doing. And I feel like uh also when I came to the news director, I was able to kind of take more control of the show and kind of turn it into like what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And that's kind of when the reporting and everything kind of came into it. And I started interviewing people because before it was just, you know, <laughs> I'd come in behind the desk and I'd read uh, a teleprompter script and yeah. I don't even want to look back on how I sounded the the first time I ever did that because, oh my gosh, like, I look back on it now like, oh man, like it's crazy how in just a short amount of time, just through reps, you could sound so much better. 100%. And I mean, it's it's the same in anything, you know, yeah. like not just, I mean, think about it musically, right? Like the more that you go to vocal lessons or the more that you practice a song, you're automatically just going to sound better unless you're tone deaf. Mm-hmm. And then in yeah. sports, it's the same thing. Like it, every rep is, you know, moving toward that final goal of being great at something yeah. and being, you know, it's actually funny that you that we're talking about um you being the director of the source because you are actually the person who got me involved in d3 tv yes i yes yeah so uh, for for the listeners um it was sophomore year drew and i started getting really close at the end of uh the second semester because we had a class together um and we would go to coffee and i was telling him all these like social media things that i was really interested in doing and he was like you should do that at d3 tv and i was like well, how do I do that? Yeah, I remember <laughs> and, that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and he and he was he sent me the uh, the application for the board, and then I came on as a social media director last semester. And Look now, at you now! Look now, at you now! Now the promotions director, the web director, and the TikTok yeah. coordinator. So you're probably, you're probably doing more with it now than I am right now too, just because I don't know it's just been uh, I don't know coming back to campus yeah. since that time in El Paso. I know things have just been so different. I, I'm really trying to get out here more, though. Just I've been so slammed with schoolwork. Yeah. Junior so, year has been So let's crazy. talk about that time in El Paso, right? Okay. So um, first I want to know, um, you know, how did you find that opportunity? Or how did you – I mean, I know it was an internship, but how did that, like, fall into your hands? Yeah. So, you know, um, I feel like a big part of the success that I've had – is because of the net, because of my networking and because yeah. of the mentors that I have, and you know, I'll just never forget. Um, it was the fall break of my sophomore year when things were. I was starting to realize, like, okay, you know what? Like, this is something I really want to do. And just from like a really young age, I knew that like it was all about who you knew because yeah. that person that you connect with, they know someone, and that person they know, they know someone. And I'll never forget. I would wake up every morning, the fall break my sophomore year and I would go on my LinkedIn, I'd get my coffee, big coffee guy, big coffee. That's why we get coffee. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. And so I'd drink my coffee. I'd get my Mac out, go on my LinkedIn. And I literally just copy and pasted like a little pitch. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, you know, I'm Drew Cosgray. Uh, I'm the, at that time, the assistant news director at our TV station. I also want to be a reporter. You know, this is my dream. I know what, I know that in order to grow, I need to connect with people that know how the business works. Mm-hmm. And I literally just, uh, I'll never forget, I went to the filters of the LinkedIn, I put a news director, and like 68 search pages showed up of all the results. And I spent my whole fall break, I would go down each and every single one of those news directors that would pop up, yeah, 
and I just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Yeah. And it was, and you know, it was the best thing I ever did because, you know, I'd send out emails and everything, but I just wasn't getting the replies. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go on LinkedIn and like just see what happens. And it was the best decision I ever made. And through that, I was able to connect with a, um, a guy named Michael Fayback who's with NPG, which is the company that owns KVIA, the station that I was in in El Paso. And I'll never forget, um, he replied back to me, and he was on the road. He couldn't talk then, but we scheduled a call for like two or three weeks down the yeah. line. And I'm actually pretty sure that call didn't end up happening. But then just like, <laughs> I forget how it even like all happened, but one day I reached back out to him, and then we set up a phone call and everything. And he kind of just talked to me about all the stations he oversaw yeah. and everything. And I told him what I was passionate about, you know, politics, stuff that's going on, on the border, everything. And I talked about our media fellows internship and how, you know, I need to be gone for a semester. And, you know, he said to me, he's like, hey, he's like, there's a station in El Paso, Texas that I oversee. And based off everything you're saying to me, he goes, if I was your dad, I would tell you. Son, you got to go to this station. Yeah. Because this is where you're going to benefit the most. He's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, I'll put you in contact with their news director, now GM, uh, GM Brenda Deanna Swan. Uh, I'll get you in contact with her. I'll write you up a little re- letter of recommendation. Because I was also sending him some of my work. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, so I was like, okay, perfect. And this was around, this is right before spring break. Uh, and so it was around April. And I'll never forget, uh, bec- so we had that conversation, and then he put me in contact with uh, Brenda Deanna Swan, and basically we just kind of talked about my goals and what I wanted to do, and, you know, what would it look like if I were to, you know, move out to El Paso, Texas yeah. and intern there. And uh, at the time, uh, she didn't have any paid internships. It was only unpaid. Mm-hmm. And that was a risk, but... I just, like, I saw everything that they were covering with, like, stuff going on on the border, being so close to Mexico. And, yeah. I mean, a lot of the national issues that happen that you see at the network level, like CNN, Fox, MSNBC, a lot of the times, a lot of the stories are coming back to the border. Yeah. So I saw an opportunity. I was like, you know what? Like, this is something I got to take. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, that's kind of how that all happened. And that's how I went out there. Okay, so you get out to Texas. What is the first, because clearly they didn't just start you on on air. Yeah. So what did it, what did the buildup look like before yeah. you were actually, you know, on air, on camera? Yeah, so um, the summer before going to El Paso, I was uh, interning at Wish TV 8. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot to thank Wish TV 8 for. Uh, you know, their news director, Al Carl, took a chance on me, like, you know, tell me to come intern there. And... You know, I have a lot to thank him for because because of him, I was able to get that internship. And I went there and met all these reporters and anchors that just knew their stuff so well. And, like, before the Wish TV internship, I had never done any experience with, like, the storytelling parts. Like, the stories you guys see, like, the little features you see, like, on the news, those are called packages. Yeah. I never made those before. So I went to Wish TV and started making these packages. But every single package I was making – I was sitting to the reporters of the acres being like, hey, please help me. Tell me how this could be better. Yeah. And what I was also doing was, you know, as I was improving, I was constantly sending that stuff to Brenda over in El Paso. Yeah. 
because I knew going in that, you know, it's a mid to smaller size market. So like, you know what, maybe there is a chance I might go in here sometime. And at this point too, I was like, I'm going to sit over this stuff just not only because I want to improve, but who knows, maybe one time while I'm out there, she might just put me on air. Right. Uh, so I was constantly sitting that stuff. And also too, I wanted to build a trust. I wanted them to know that, hey, I'm willing to do the dirty work to get better. And uh, I really feel like what my experience at Wish TV uh, really set me up to be successful at El Paso. So leading into El Paso and how that looked, I went to El Paso and for like the first three weeks, I was an intern unpaid. And basically every day I was just going out with the reporters and shadowing. And what I was doing was I was asking the photographers and um, the MMJs, multimedia journalists. So a lot yeah. of times reporters now, not only are they reporters, but they also have to shoot all this stuff on their own, edit all their own, therefore yeah. multimedia journalists. I was like, hey, could you shoot a stand-up of me, a stand-up meeting, like me, get in front of the camera, kind of talking about what's going on. And what would happen is every single day, I was making my own packages mm-hmm. based off what they were doing, or the reporters I was shadowing. And every day, I just would go into the news director who was, so Brenda was the news director when I talked to her um, before I went out there. But then she became GM, and then Sean Flanagan became the news director at KVIA. Yeah. And I was just constantly sending my stuff to Sean Brenda and there's a, a guy named David Gonzalez, the digital guy. He was a he was a huge help too, just because he was so and he would say this to you too, very harsh in his critiques. Yeah. But like the, the I thing think is, you need that. That's what you, yeah, yeah. exactly. And like I think that's why I was able to improve so fast is just because like what I feel like I do feel like one of my strengths is I could take that criticism yeah. and apply it instead of getting offended. So I'd also send I'd show it to David and you know, they just nitpick everything apart. And I was doing that for three weeks, and then I uh, one day I actually I came in for like a day side shift, and I remember mm-hmm. I, I was going in. I was gonna go uh, shadow uh, Brianna Perez. Uh, she's a super super cool reporter that I shadowed like a lot there. Yeah. And uh, basically, I remember I went in thinking that Brianna was gonna be on day side, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna shadow Brianna, and well, she wasn't there. Then I get two. I'm an intern. It's like, oh, like. You know what? I can just come back at night side yeah. and shadow her. Yeah. And that's what I did. But I'll never forget, I left that day, that morning to go home. And then I'd come back that night. But when I was leaving, uh, the news director flagged me down, Sean. And he's like, listen, like, we've been watching your stuff. And, like, you know, we like it. And we feel we'd feel comfortable putting you on air. And we'd like to start paying you for what you're doing. Wow. He's like, we'd like to hire you as a full-time MMJ on a three-month contract. Yeah. And... The one thing, let me just tell you this about, like, Sean Flanagan, like, truly, like, he had such a huge impact on my experience there, because not only did he see something in me, but he was such, like, a kind person, yeah. and he was so patient with yeah. me. Everyone at that station was patient with <laughs> me, because there were days that I would go in there, and, like, I would mess up, like, yeah. but, like, fact is, is, like, I, they understood that, like, it was all so brand new to me. Right. And that's something that I'm always going to appreciate because they easily could have, like, been, like, oh, my gosh, like, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Just, like, well, I think away. I think in, like, I think it's in anything that it's really easy to forget that that is where you started. Yeah. So, like, let's just take softball, for example. I started when I was five, right? Yeah. So. Like I look at five year olds now and they can't catch a ball and I it's it's very easy uh-huh. to just get frustrated and like you're trying to teach them things but they don't listen. But then you remember, hey, they're five and I was five once too. 
and I yeah. still couldn't do that. So I think it's I think it's the same thing. And I mean, your experience too. Like they they remember that that's where they started too, and exactly. it's it, they can't just expect you right off the gun to be yeah this amazing you know person, even yeah. though you've had you know your work. Yeah, and I think that's like a really cool thing about the news industry. It's such a grind to get yeah. to where you are, and all my mentors that I've talked to, they all say the same thing. We want to do for you what our mentors did to us because mm -hmm. they were in my shoes once. And one of the best feelings you can have when you're in that beginning stages, even towards the end of the peak, like peak of your career, yeah, having mentors is so valuable because it's not like your normal nine to five job. Like you are working nonstop. Like right. it is a hectic environment. Like the people are busy. So the fact they're taking the time out of their day to help you that means something. And that was another thing too. It's like when I was getting my critiques, it's like it'd be disrespectful to my mentors not to implement their critiques. 100%. Or even like, just listen to give them the time of day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think um, you know, it's really special to be in an industry where that's the culture. Yeah. And there's just so many industries out there, especially right now, where that's just non-existent. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's got to be really special. Yeah. And the thing is too, it's like, Patience is a skill. Oh, 100%. Like, leadership is a <laughs> skill. Yeah. So, like, some people it comes naturally, and other people, like, sometimes you see people who don't necessarily have that skill. Like, it truly is, like, something very hard for people to do. So, yeah. when you come across those people that have those skills, very refreshing. Yeah. All right. So, now you're paid. You're doing your stories. What was your favorite story to do? Oh man. Um well you can you can have two. Okay. Two? Okay. Um so I did a Halloween story over a haunted fire station. That was pretty interesting. Uh it was called like a sweeps story. It's like okay. there's like a sweeps period um during uh like there's like sweeps periods throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And November, if I'm correct, is the sweeps period. But October 31st is the day before November, so it's, like, a part of that. It's, like, yeah. a special story. And it was, like, 11.30 or midnight, and my uh, photog and I, we went out to this haunted fire station, like, super late. And just basically got a tour through this haunted fire station that was considered one of those haunted fire stations in the country. Yeah. And, like, that was just, like, something I'll never forget just because – you know, you're a little bit nervous because it's something new that you're right. – it's almost like your ghost, like, hunting a little bit, yeah. which is pretty fun. And then uh, I'd say my second, my other favorite one was probably uh, I did a story over a lady at a carnival uh, named uh, Barbara. And she lost her husband in the very beginning of the pandemic Oh gosh! Uh, to uh, COVID. And it was her first time doing the carnival without him by her side. And, like, wow. he ran the carnival. Yeah. And I think the reason, too, why that story – was like so cool was because for one I was actually able to like I connected with her like it was very cool like yeah it was like you could tell but she appreciated me telling her story but also too I'll never forget I got sent out to so that station we cover El Paso and Las Cruces New Mexico okay which is like 45 minutes away and I went out I was supposed to go to Las Cruces that day and cover the southern New Mexico State Fair and basically um, I drove out there and uh, things went south somewhere. Basically, the story fell through. Yeah. 
and I was there by myself, and I had nothing really to do. Like I was, I literally have, I'd already, I was at the state fair, yeah, doing my thing, just kind of waiting in our unit, trying to figure out, oh, like what's going on. And my assistant news director, he called me and he's like, Drew, like listen, like we don't think this is gonna work out today, but I'll tell you this. He's like, if you can walk into the New Southern New Mexico State Fair. Because there's a Southern New Mexico State Fair and the Carnival. It's like yeah. two of the same. Yeah. If you could walk in there and you could find a story with, because like I had no camera equipment or anything. Yeah. Because I was supposed to go out and be in a, a photog, which would have had all this, the equipment. Yeah. So I only had my phone. He's like, you have your phone. He's like, if you could go out there and just find a story, a compelling story. Yeah. And turn it, turning it means like finishing it. Yeah. By the time tonight rolls around. We'll put it on air. And this was like my first week of being hired, too. Oh, gosh. So, like, uh, it was all very brand new to me. And so I, I remember I just, like, I was by myself. And I, I just, like, walked into the fair. And I was just, like, walking. And, like, at first I was like, I don't see anything that's, like, newsworthy here. Yeah. And then I saw the carnival. It wasn't opened yet. But there were, like, people. Like, three or four people just, like, sitting there. So... I walked into the carnival and I just kind of like started like chatting with them and everything, and it was through chatting with this Barbara lady that sh- we found this story. And then in my wow. head, I'm like, "Oh my gosh! Like I have to interview her." Yeah. So I asked her if I could interview her, and everything, and she wanted to. And you know, we're at a carnival, right? And if there's one thing you learn in the news, it's like you can tell a story, but you can also get very creative with it. That's what's gonna make the story more uh, compelling. Yeah. And. So there's a Ferris wheel, like, right next to us. And mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, if I could get an interview with that Ferris wheel, that'd be awesome. So keep in mind, the carnival's still closed. So I asked Barbara, because she's a carnival worker. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I, I might have not said that already, but yes. So she, Barbara is a carnival worker. Yeah. And basically the story was just about how, you know, Carnival workers, it's more than just working at the carnival. It's like a family. I mean, they literally, if you think about it, carnival workers, they travel the whole country together yeah. all year round. Yeah. And basically, uh, I asked her, I was like, hey, like, who's the operator of this Ferris wheel and everything? And she like told me. And basically, I talked to him. And I was like, hey, like, this is what I want to do. And sure enough, he's like, perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. So we like did the interview like on the Ferris wheel. And, like, it was a super compelling story. And Everyone at the station loved it, and uh, we got it put on air. Wow. And I think the reason, like, that was, like, such a big deal for me, I felt like that was, like, the day of the station I kind of, like, earned my rank. Yeah. I guess I would say. I think, like, you know, I could have easily just hopped back in my unit and drove back to the station that day and done nothing. But, like, you know... I told myself I'm going to find a story. Yeah. And it was a really good one. It's something I'm really proud of. And uh yeah, I'll never forget that story. I I think like everyone has like it, I think every journalist has a story early on that yeah. you feel like kind of shapes them. And I definitely feel like that story shaped me because like you know, it was just it was a very genuine story. It was very mm-hmm. heartfelt and like that's the stuff I love to do. Right. And I feel like that kind of like also, like, I felt like I just earned respect for people at the station. Like, wow, like, this kid could have easily given up, but, like... But he didn't. And I did, and he did it all on his phone. Right, <laughs> so, right. yeah. Wow. All right, so, Texas, now you come back. 
Unless there's unless there's more from Texas that I haven't asked you about yet. I mean, Texas was just, you know, a really cool experience. I mean, one thing I like I think it's important to highlight, like, not only was I working out there, but like I made some really good friendships. Like yeah. Carrie Mannix became my absolute best friend, basically my sister. I mean, I hung out with her all the time. Yeah. Like it was a joke that like we were brother and sister like at the station. Right. She's the best. Uh Andres Valle, he was the weatherman and He's actually in Albuquerque now. Another person, though, that I just immediately hit it off with. Yeah. And it was really funny, too. So, like, you know this QE, but I'm a Sigma Chi here uh, at DePaul, and he was a Sigma Chi at New Mexico State. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, well, that's like, awesome. we, like, hit on that. Yeah. And he literally, like, connected me with, like, the New Mexico State Sigma Chi chapter. Oh, that's so funny. And it got to the point where, like, I was actually going to the New Mexico, to the New Mexico Sigma Chi chapter, like, on the weekends. And, like, Did I you made, really? Yeah, like, I literally... Uh, made some really great friends there. Like, there's a, a kid there named Matthew that I got super tight with. Yeah. But, like, it was because of Andres. And, uh, you know, Andres is now at KOAT in Albuquerque, which is, like, literally, like, one of the best stations in the country. Right. And uh, very happy for him. But, you know, him and Carrie both had a huge impact on me. And also, same with uh, Rachel Phillips. She was our sports uh, – our the main, like, sports reporter. Yeah. Uh, she's from Australia. And it was really interesting. I'll never forget. I shadowed her. The first time I ever shadowed her, we were like, put everything in the unit. And she was like, hey, we put this in the boot. I was like, huh? In Australia, they called the trunk the boot. Oh, my so gosh. So now whatever, still to this day, I always refer to the trunk. I was going to say, you're never going to call I, it a trunk again. I, I it's always going to be a boot. I always call it the boot. Yeah. yeah but, uh, those three people uh, had a huge impact on me. I uh, still try to stay in touch with them as much as I can. Yeah. But like I said... You know, they're busy. Yeah. And I think that's been the weirdest transition coming back to campus. And I feel like that's kind of where you were leading to in yeah. your last question. You know, I was working almost every day. And, like, you know, I didn't have weekends off. I was working the weekends. Right. My weekends were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And, you know, there were days – there was, like, one week that I worked eight days straight. So that's actually more than a week. So it's, like, now I'm back on campus and just getting adjusted – also, it doesn't help that I've been, like, sick, like, the past right. week and a half, right. which has been rough. And you know me. I, I can't stand still. Like, no, I have yeah. I have to be doing something, like, nonstop. And, you know, they say it's, it's like, it takes, like, 21 days to, like, create a habit. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is, like, I spent a lot more than 21 days reporting. Right, What I'm right. saying is that it's hard to describe, but when you're out – MMJ and you're finding those stories and you're making that and you're making them and you're going live on air. It's like a, it's a feeling that's hard to match. Yeah. And it's something I really loved. And I was doing that every day. And now, you know, I'm back on campus now. Just, and so for me right now, I'm just trying to find stuff to keep myself busy. Yeah. And I was doing a good job of doing that, but then the plague hit me. And, and then you got sick. I've yep. literally just been in my room, blowing my nose and coughing and feeling horrible for my roommate because yeah. Joel hears me coffee in the middle of the night almost every night. And yeah. he's probably like, is this kid going to die tonight? <laughs> so, um, you know, we've talked about kind of like the transition coming back here. And at D3TV, you do have your own show. Yeah. You haven't released anything yet? Not yet. It's still, it's a lot of it, a lot of it's in the works. Yeah. I guess I would say. Um, so I would love to know more about your show. Yeah. What is it? Um, what do you plan to and do with it? Yeah, excuse me, I'm about to cough real fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so 
like I said, it's definitely been a process because it's one of those things that, well, first off, I should get into what the show's about. Yes. I basically be doing features over my mentors that have helped me get through my process. That's why it's called the Drew Cosgrave Network. Yeah. It's because, well, actually, one of my favorite movies is called The Social Network. So, like, <laughs> I was like, the Drew Cosgrave Network, that sounds oh my cool. God. That sounds cool. Yeah. And, but it makes sense because of the people I've networked with. But uh, I will say this, even though a show has not been released yet, I have been in the active, I guess I'd say phases of making it happen. I've been getting, I've already, and I'm keeping the names on the low right now. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to be a surprise, but I have like, uh, there's been like two weekends I've gone, I've driven to Indy and I've sat down with the people I'm going to feature and, uh, you know, I've had coffee with them, had dinner with them. So like there have been steps taken in yeah. place to make yeah. these, uh, these shows happen. It's just right now, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I predict there'll be about, I'd say three to five features. Yeah. And right now I'm in the process of working on two. And, um, for me, it's more important about the quality of it. Than just, oh, like, 100%. Pushing them out. Yeah. Like every single week and everything too. And, you know, another thing I'm really excited about too is, you know, we brought in, um, JP Olson to the- Love him. He's amazing. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, I pitched to him an idea. I was like, hey, I was like, what if we launched a Nepal investigative unit, mm-hmm. like investigative reporting? Yeah. Because we have like a group of kids that each have like their own like forte, I guess I would say. And so it's like myself, Charlie Levine, yeah. and like Ian Brundage. And nothing's set in place now, but it looks like we're going to have like a DePaul I team where we're going to be like investigating certain things that is going on on campus. Yeah. Whether that be sports gambling, freedom of expression. Yeah. Like just anything that is on the student's mind. And that's kind of in the process right now. That was brought into conversation last week. So on top of the Drew Cosgrave Network, it looks like I'm going to be doing that too. Yeah. And I'm also going to try to be getting involved with the WGRE more with like State of the Castle. Yeah. And everything. I've, been, I've gotten very close with uh, Professor Jeffrey McCall and... I worked State of the Castle last semester. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I did. I uh, I interviewed J.P. Olson, um, and then my favorite interview um, actually was with a guest speaker that we had here, um, and he talked all about how, you know, he's a jur- he was a journalist, um, and he also won an Emmy, I think, yeah. um, for one of the stories that he did about um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Wow. Um, and, you know, he was a fantastic person to talk to. The thing that I really liked about State of the Castle is the people, some of the, some of the stories that you, um, you know, get into, they go in such, like, the direction is never clear until you start talking to that yeah. person. So, like, JP, you know, I, I was talking to him about how, you know, he took over at the Pulliam Center. Um, and then all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, some of the documentaries that he's worked on and how cool, uh, some other documentaries that he didn't work on, but that he knows, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like you never know what direction it was going to go in, but it always ended up being a fantastic story. Yeah. So JP's a really interesting guy. I always enjoy going into talking to him. It was really cool too, because I was on his hiring, uh, like when he was coming through the interview process. Oh, really? I was one of the people that interviewed him, and yeah. I'll just never forget. Like interviewed him, I was like, "This is a guy that like we yeah. needed to Paul." And also, too, we brought in Renee Thomas Woods, who's she's awesome, awesome who's too. Who's also phenomenal. Yeah. 
I've made it a point to get very close with both of them. Yeah, so. yeah. Renee is, she's fantastic. I also interviewed her about um, the DePaul and, uh, you know, journalism here. Yeah. So she, great people to talk to here. Yeah, there, there's, like, I was thinking about this too, you know, I was talking about, like, the Drew Cosgrave network about, like, journalists I've networked with. But it's also not just the journalists I've networked with, but, you know, professors that I've networked with. Yeah. If you really think about it, like, the reason I've been able to get my network is a lot of it is because of DePaul University. Yeah. I would love to talk to Larry, JP, Renee, JNP, Marilyn. Yeah. I'd love to bring them all on here and on my show and talk to them just because they have been a huge part of the success that I've had. Yeah. Well, you know, um, kind of going back to uh, State of the Castle, the vision I have for this podcast actually came from not necessarily State of the Castle because I'm not like taking, yeah. you know, their thing and doing news onto Paul's campus. But I want to talk to people about things that actually matter. Not that your story doesn't matter or anything. I think everybody's story really it, like matters. Yeah, I get your story. Um, but like, you know, there's actually a story that I want to do um, or a podcast that I want to do rather about um, international students and why they came, why they chose here yep. or, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I don't want to give too much away because yeah. I do have a lot of direction for that podcast already. Yeah. Um, and it's already kind of in the works. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away. But um, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of where I'm going with this and where I'm taking this to is, you know, because of the work that I did at State of the Castle. Not stealing their idea again. Yeah. But you know, like working towards, you know, talking to people about things that matter. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would say is if I'm a big believer that you just got to go with your gut. If you got got an idea and you think you could do something with it. Go for it. You go all in on it. You know, Larry loves his podcast idea. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, every time he sees me, he goes, I love that. I love the, I love the podcast idea. Larry's a smart guy. Well, and I think, I think for like, I think this is a really cool way to stay in touch with alumni too. You know what I mean? Like, they may not always be on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and have the time to watch our shows, but how often are they driving to and from work where they can throw on a Spotify podcast? Yeah, you're right. And not just that, but I mean students too. Like, you know, we're constantly busy. We don't always see what's on our, you know, our pages on social media. So it's like, yeah, what better than to intentionally go to Spotify and turn on a podcast? Yeah. I love listening to podcasts. Me, me too. So now they're, I'm kind of glad that I have my own. They're amazing. I'm, yeah. I'd actually, I'd say that's probably like a part of my routine is that I usually listen to podcasts. I'm like, I'm walking on the treadmill or if I'm going to like the nature park, like I always put on a podcast because I, I think another thing too is this is actually something I've been doing since I've been back at DePaul yeah. to keep like my mind fresh is like, or and to keep me like, I guess I'd say motivated. Yeah. Because, like, for me, motivation comes from what I learn from other people. Yeah. And I feel like the best way to learn is to, like, listen to podcasts and read books. Yeah. And, obviously, talk to people. Human Reading is a lost art form. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I Actually, I went home. I was Like I said, I've been sick. And I went home over the weekend, and I saw all these books in my room mm-hmm. that I hadn't touched. Yeah. So I just grabbed like a bag and just packed them all up. And I brought it back, and I'm hoping to finish all those books by the end of the semester. Wow, that's a lofty goal. How many books is it? Pints. I'd say like fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, there's a it's fifteen twenty. I mean, it's a pretty Dang. Good, it's a pretty good amount. Yeah. But I mean, I to like other than schoolwork, it's been a while since I've read like a book for pleasure. Yeah. Which is really sad. I, think, I used to love reading. Yeah. yeah. And now all all I do is for is for schoolwork. You know what accelerated reading is? AR points. Mm-hmm. Growing up in elementary, we had that. It was like 
the big thing at elementary school. You'd read books, you'd take quizzes, you'd get points, and you'd get like awards. Like a, uh, would it be an award or a reward at the a end? A reward. Okay. I guess, well, I guess it depends. But anyways, I got the highest points in my class because I would read all the big books. Yeah. And I'd take the quizzes. Yeah. And I always thought I was really cool for that. Yeah. I'd read all the Harry Potter books and I'd get like 15, 20 points. Whereas like other books, you'd get like three or four. Right. So that was my strategy. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. love reading. We never really, I mean, we had the, we had our, actually, my favorite project that I ever did was um, a uh, book, you know, project. Um, and we all got to pick our own books. And this was like in the beginning of the year, we all got to pick our own books. And then throughout the year, they, you would have groups and those groups would read, you know, to get through all the different books, the groups would read a different book. Um, and so like for your assigned book, you would write like a quiz for the chapters and then you would write a whole like book report with your group mates about it. Yeah. And I don't know why I loved that so much. I think it was like the freedom to choose what I wanted to share with other people. I think that's yeah. why I liked it so much rather than just oh, here's a book and, you know, we're all going to read this and we're all going to do these things. What's your favorite book? Oh, God. Um, that's so difficult because it's been a while since I've read, like, a good book. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. There are just, there are so, like, because I used to read a lot of, um, a lot of fiction, but I think my favorite, um, books are nonfiction books like I love I, I love read I think it's more about I think I have more topics that are my yeah. favorite like I love reading about World War One I, I love reading about World War Two and the Holocaust and stuff like yeah. that um and you know I love reading about American history not that I know much about it but I like reading about yeah. it um and then fiction was always just like um any kind of uh you know, like thriller fiction book yeah. was fantastic or, you know, any kind of um, crime fiction yeah. book was great. Stuff like that. Yeah. My favorite book of all time, and I stick with this, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The I could never get through all the Harry Potter books. the fourth books. book. Yeah. I'll never forget 791 pages. It was my sixth grade year. I just like was bored. I started just reading it. And I'll never forget, we went to Florida for fall break. And I was literally like, like where we'd go in Florida, there'd be golf carts. Yeah. We'd be on the golf cart, and instead of me taking into the views around me, I'd be reading by Harry Potter. Like, really? Because I'm so into it. Yeah. And also, too, I love memoirs. Yeah. Like, I think also, too, as you get older, there's people you look at and, like, their successes. And you're like, man, like. How did what, that happen? Uh, yeah, how are they doing yeah. that? What could I do to, yeah. you know, kind of mirror that to get the most out of myself? And, like, a book that I always read. Yeah. I'm actually rereading it right now for the third time is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. It's just like, basically it's his like anthem for life, you know? And like, I always read that when like, I need motivation or just need a fresh restart, stuff mm. like that. Because fact is too, you know, uh, going out for in El Paso for that long, Yeah, I changed, you know? Like oh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not who I was before, yeah. you know, I uh, was before, you know? Uh, when you're that, when you're alone, when you're 21 hours away from home, yeah, and you're doing that job on your own, and you're by yourself, you grow up, yeah. And you know, fact is, coming back to campus, it's been a bit of a weird transition, just because you know I, I do feel 
a little bit different. So that yeah. I was like, you know. Well, like, and it's weird because you're coming back to your friends who are, not to say that they're all the same as they were before, but their majority of them are very similar to the people that they were before. Whereas like for you, you've done so much growing in the last, you know, semester that some of those people and the way that you've grown, maybe you've grown out of what they're doing or grown out of like what everybody else on campus is doing just because you've had that time to grow yourself. Yeah, you know, I think it's it really, I think we're getting kind of deep here now. Like, <laughs> but I, I think like when you, when you go out by yourself for that long, you, mm-hmm. you know, you really like find out like what you really value like in life. Yeah. And that's like, I think that's been like the biggest change. You know, like I've always had values, but now it's like, I'm, I'm 22 now. It's like, yeah. there's these values I want to live by and you know, it's something I'm very like committed to. Yeah. And, you know, that's another reason why I'm like rereading the book. Yeah. Is just because like, you know, I feel like it's time to like, I feel like there's times in life, you know, you have like a seasons of blessings and like you yeah. have a great time. But at the end of the day, I feel like you always got to like, you got to come back to your roots yeah. and be like, you know, what makes me be. I think that's really interesting. I think like what you just said is really interesting because I think when you come to college, you learn a lot about yourself. Yep. But when you get out of college and you start to embark on life on your own, that's when you learn about, you know, what I like what you said, what do you value and what are you living for? Whereas like college is just who am I? Yeah. Also, too, if, I, if you really think about it, you know, when I was in El Paso, you know, a lot of the people that I was hanging out with, they were all around, I'd say, 23 and 27. Yeah. So, like, that was also a big difference. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the majority of the people, like, right now on campus, I'd say, are between... 19, 20. And there's even some 18-year-olds, which is yeah. really... Like, if you really think about it, like... So, I'm pretty old for my grade. You know, 22, 18, that's a four-year age difference. Yeah. So, it's like, you think about that. Think about that. Like, you know, I went from, let's say, the high end, hanging out with, like, a 26, 27-year-old, and then I come back here at 18. That's a huge, yeah. Yeah. huge difference. Yeah. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've loved being back here. You know, it's so good to be back with my best friends and everything. It's just, uh, you it's know. It's just so different. It's just different. It's yeah. as simple as that. But yeah. that's, that's life. Like, that's right. just life. And it's just, that's what it comes down to, us taking action to be like, okay, like, this is different. But, like, what are you going to do to address it, to cope with it? Yeah. Because you can either sit back and just let things play out the way they're supposed to play out. Or, like, you can get ahead of it. Yeah. And that's kind of like the way that I am. It's like, I hate not being in control yeah. of stuff. So it's like, I got to take that. That extra. That extra step. Yeah. So. All righty. Well, to end this off on a light note, and you mentioned earlier that you're a co- big coffee guy. What's your go-to coffee order oh, and where man. is it from? Well, obviously it's Starbucks. I go to Starbucks every day on the first day basis with all the workers. Although I've started a new thing. I just change my name every time I go in. Oh, gosh. It's, they all know I'm Drew. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny. So I just go in. I'll be like, the other day, I was like, my name's Nigel. <laughs> it's oh, really, my God. It's actually really funny. I'm laughing now. I'm at the cough. But um, I go to order. I definitely say it's a large cold brew with two shots of blonde espresso. But recently, because of the weather, yeah. I've been getting just a large blonde roast. Like, mm. because it's been colder. Yeah. So it's a little hot. Yeah. But, like, I can't wait for, like, this springtime, summertime to, to start rolling yeah. around. I love that cold brew. It's my elixir. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Alrighty. Well, thank you for tuning in, and thank you, Drew, for being here. Thanks for having me. We got um, we got to start getting coffee again. Oh, totally, hundred yeah, percent. Of course. We should have another episode out next week. We'll see about that. Um, still kind of nailing down who I'm going to bring in next week. So um, see you soon. Stay tuned in, Tigers.